Before we begin this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Our God and Father in heaven, we are so grateful to you this day for the time that you've allowed us to come together and to worship you and to study together. We are grateful, Father, that you are in our presence with us, that you are here as we are gathered to study your word. Father, we pray each day that you will help us to realize that serving you is the most important thing in our life, that our service to you must be the, fore, the foremost action that we take, that without you in our life, Father, our life is meaningless and our life is hopeless. Help us, Father, to devote ourselves to serving you. Help us, Father, to realize that you are the most important thing in our life. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for us and for revealing to us your word. Bless us, Father, this morning as we study. We pray that you will be with us and, and take care of us. In Christ's name, amen. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It was that question and that directive that was spoken to Saul of Tarsus by Ananias as he was sent by God after three days when Saul had been in the city without his sight, praying and fasting, waiting upon God to tell him what he should do. Saul had, been, Saul had been waiting for the instruction from God. He didn't know what God was going to happen to do. He didn't know where he was going to be going. He didn't know what God had planned for him. But God sent Ananias and he asked him the question, Why are you waiting? Why do we wait? Why do people wait? Why do we put off doing what we know we should do? Why do we put off obeying the gospel? Why do we put off being active in the Lord's kingdom? Why is it that we wait to do what we know we ought to do? We realize that our service to God should be the, the, the most important thing in our life. We realize that our relationship with God should come above everything else, but yet we wait and we put it off. Whatever our, our objections are, whatever our reasons may be, the Lord has an answer. And what I want to do this morning is simply go through and, and talk about some reasons why we wait. Why do we wait to obey the gospel? Why do we wait to become active in the service of our Lord? And see, that really when it boils down to it, there is no reason to wait. There is no reason to delay. Because this is the most important thing that we will ever do. Perhaps as we, as, as we talk about our service to God and as we think about our relationship with Him, we, we find ourselves saying, well, in a little while, I'll do it. Maybe sometime down the line, I'll, I'll devote myself more to God. I'll become a Christian. But just not right now. I want to wait a while. You know, procrastination is one, of the, is one of Satan's strongest tools. And the reason that he uses it and the reason why it is so dangerous is because it's so easy. When you think about it, what's the easier thing to do? You have a job set in front of you. Do you want to do it? Or do you want to put it off? You can ask Joel, and I'm, I tend to want to put things off. It's easy. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants to look at our life. He wants us to look at our spiritual life and our standing with God. And he wants us to say, well, you know, I could work hard at it today and really devote myself to it, but why not just wait and do it later? 
But see, what he does is this. He gets the 12-year-old to say, you know, I'm too young to think about serving the Lord. And then he gets the 18-year-old to say, well, I'm too smart to think about serving the Lord. He gets the 22-year-old to say, well, I'm too happy. He gets the 25-year-old to say, I'm too busy. He gets the 30-year-old to say, well, I'm just too tired. And then he gets the 40-year-old to say, well, I'm too smug. And he gets the 50-year-old to say, well, I'm too worried. He gets the 60-year-old to say, well, I'm just too old to serve the Lord. What happens so often times is that life ends unexpectedly and then there's no time to serve the Lord anymore. You see, what Satan wants us to do is he wants us to procrastinate. He wants us to put it off one time too many and then he's gone. And see, the silly thing about it is this. When we, can, when we think about procrastination, when we think about putting off things in everyday life, we realize there's danger in this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll give you the extreme example. You find out there's a gas leak in your house. What's that going to cause? It could cause your house to explode. What are you going to do? Well, I'll deal with it later. No, what do we do? We get our family out. We call 911. We do what we've got to do because there's something could explode in our house. We see a child walking down the sidewalk heading towards the road. And there's traffic going back and forth. And that child, he's, he's just taking off. He's going. We'll deal with that later. No, what do we do? We run. We go. We get the child. We bring him back because we don't want the child to get hit by the car. We realize that in life, if there are, if there are dangerous situations that we procrastinate, we could cause something bad to happen or something bad could happen. So why don't we think about that in terms of our spiritual life? Why in everyday life do we realize there's urgency and there's a need to go and do these things, but when it comes to our service to God or it comes to obeying the gospel, we think, well, we've got time and I can deal with it later. What was it that, that Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew 10 and verse 28? Do not fear those who can kill the body that cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We'll say we'll do all these things because, well, hey, we could die. But we could also lose our soul. You see, one of the things that Satan wants us to do is he wants us to wait too long. He wants us to wait that one time too many. He may want you this morning to wait. He may, this, this very morning may be the one where you think, you know, I, I should do something. I need, I need to re repent of my sins. I need to be baptized into Christ. But you know what? I'm going to wait. I'll do it another time. And then God forbid on the way home something happens and you're in a, you're in a car wreck. Or later this week something happens to you and you're not able to ever come back here again. If that happens, guess who just won? Satan. Why? Because he calls you to think about it. He calls you to wait. He calls you to delay. If your house was on fire, you wouldn't be waiting. If your soul is in danger, why would you wait? Why would you hesitate? Well, maybe we sit back and we think, well, you know what? I, I want to serve the Lord and I want to be be one of his children. I want to be active in his, in his service, but you know, I, I don't know enough. I, I'm not knowledgeable enough to be able to, to fully act and, and fully serve in his kingdom. Well, I, I want to say this, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I, I don't want to say that a desire to know more is not commendable. I believe that we should all be studying more, and we should all desire more, and we should all spend more time in the Word of God. Being, a, being one of God's children, being a part of His, 
of his family involves a lot of teaching and a lot of growing that happens after we have devoted our life to him. You know, you think about it, in Matthew 28, when Jesus told the apostles to, to go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. What did he tell them to do? Baptize them and then continue teaching them. You see, a lot of the teaching, a lot of the growing that takes place happens after we are baptized into Christ, happens after we decide, you know what, this is going to be how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to devote my life to serving God. That's where a lot of the growth takes place. That's where a lot of the learning comes into play. Because we're spending time in the Word of God. We're spending time with people of God. If you're not a Christian here this morning, how much do you have to know to be able to become a Christian? Have we ever considered that? How much do you have to know to become a Christian? Well, we look back at the examples of the conversions in the book of Acts. How many of those do, we, do you look at and you see that, that the person was taught one lesson before they obeyed the gospel? It's ironic that, that, that Ron read from the book of Isaiah because I was thinking of the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. When Philip came to him, what was he reading? He was reading from the book of Isaiah, from the very part that Ron read this morning. He didn't know anything about Jesus. He didn't know what that was talking about. Philip sat down with him and they had a six-week study and they talked about Jesus and they explained all the things to him. And after six weeks, he decided he wanted to be baptized. That's not how the story went. How many lessons did he hear? He heard one. How many things did Philip explain to him? Philip explained to him Jesus. When he heard about Jesus, what did he say? Look, here's water. What's preventing me from being baptized? How many lessons have we heard? How many sermons have we listened to? I would say sat through, but I'm going to give you credit. Say listen to. How much do we have to really know to, be, to, to say, I want to devote myself to, to serving the Lord? If you're not a Christian here this morning, Christ died for your sins. He, he offered himself on the cross for your sins. You can take advantage of, of the sacrifice of his death by believing that he is the Son of God, by repenting of your sins, according to Acts 2.38, by confessing your belief in Christ, Romans 10, by being baptized for the remission of your sins and then being a faithful child of God, you can gain access to the Savior by being baptized into Him. If there are sins that are in our life that are separating us from God, we don't need to wait and, 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 until we understand all the ins and outs of every question and every answer of the Bible because if that's the case, we're going to be waiting for a long time. Because none of us are ever going to have all the answers. None of us are ever going to know all the things that the Bible has to teach us because every time we go through it, we find something new. And we find something else to, to, to study and to learn. Should we continue growing in our knowledge? Most certainly. But let's not use that as an excuse to wait on serving God, to wait on becoming a child of God until we know all there is to know because we'll be waiting too long. What about those who say, well, you know, I, I, I know enough and I've done enough and, and I've studied quite a bit, but I want to wait until I'm sure that I can live the Christian life. I want to wait until I'm good enough and then I'll serve the Lord. 
again, I, I think that's a, that, that's a commendable thing to, to, to say, but I think that implies a misunderstanding of the Christian life. Because some mistakenly believe that they are expected to act like a mature Christian right away, and that's just not the case. We look around and we see Christians who, who have been in the service of God for many years and they're mature and they, they seem to have all the answers. They seem to know exactly what they're doing. And we expect that we are to be exactly like them. But they didn't get there overnight. What is it that, uh, that, that we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, what does Paul refer to us as? He refers to us as babes in Christ. And that's where we all begin. We all begin as babes in Christ. No one begins as a mature Child of God. We, we first are fed the milk of the Word, as, as Paul talks about it. And then we move on into the meat of the Word of God. We all begin as babes in Christ. And then we grow. We put off the old man and we put on the new man. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, Paul, writing to the church of Colossae, says this, But now you also put them all aside. Put aside anger and wrath and malice. Put aside slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And you have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. If we are to, to, to say that, well, before I can live a life for Christ, I have to improve my life and I have to be a mature Christian, it's putting the cart before the horse. Because if you think about it, can we live the Christian life without Christ? Can we live the Christian life without Christ? No. If we want to live the Christian life, then who do we need in our life? We need Christ in our life. If we wait until we can live the Christian life before we become a Christian, then we're going to be waiting a while. Because what happens is once we devote ourselves to Christ, once we become one of His, we receive His strength. We receive His power. We receive His encouragement. Who was it that Paul said through whom he could do all things? Paul didn't say, through myself I can do all things. Paul didn't say, because of Paul I am strengthened and can do all things. He says, through Christ. It was through Christ who strengthened him and who encouraged him and who built him up. To delay in obeying, the Christ, to delay in obeying Christ until we get our life in order, it's putting the cart before the horse. What we need to realize is that without Christ in our life, we have no hope. Without Christ in our life, our life is empty. And so we devote our life to Christ. We give our life to Him. And what do we allow Him to do? We allow Him to mold us. We allow Him to make us into what He wants us to be. See, so many times we want to take it upon ourselves to do things. We feel that it's my responsibility to change myself. And I have to do this, and I must make the changes. True, there is a part of it that is our responsibility. But why not give ourselves to Christ? Give ourselves over to God and let Him transform us. Let Him show us what He wants us to be. No matter the problem that we have in our life, God can help. No matter the issues that we may have been dealing with, no matter the, the baggage that we may carry, God can help. And so I urge you this morning, if, if you're sort of teetering on the fence and you're wondering and you're going, you know, I'm just not good enough to be a child of God. I'm just not good enough to really serve God and to really be active in His kingdom. Let God change you. 
Don't feel like you have to change yourself. Don't feel like you have to improve and then you can come to... Let God change you. Let Christ be the one who strengthens you and who builds you up and who makes you into what He wants you to be. Because He's done it. He's done it for so many of us and He will do it for you. These next two things I want to talk about, they sort of go hand in hand. They're, they're, they're related. And I'm going to try not to be redundant in my two points. But sometimes we delay and we think that we need to wait about serving God or becoming a Christian because we feel like we need to wait for our spouse or we need to wait for our parents or perhaps we need to wait for, for, our fam- for other family members. I've, I've known of, of many who are like this and you probably have as well who they realize they need to make a change in their life. They realize something's not right, but they hesitate because they don't want to offend a family member or they feel like they may be alienating someone. And you may be in that very position. I want to ask you a question, and, and I, I, I hope you understand I'm not trying to be sarcastic or demeaning in any way by asking this question. But if you wait to serve the Lord, if you put off obeying the gospel, if you put off being an active member in God's kingdom because you're waiting on someone else, are you really doing them any good by you waiting? What good is your waiting doing them? I hope I'm asking that in a respectful way. Because if you think about it in this way, when Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, when he says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your husbands. For even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. What's the point he's making there? He's saying, he's saying, Wives, be obedient to God because you may influence your husband for good. Well, the same thing I think applies to us. If we're, if we're concerned about our spouse, if we're concerned about a family member or our parents or something, and they look at us and they see that we are willing to serve the Lord regardless, that we want to be one of His children, we want to, to devote our life to Him, what kind of an influence do you think that may have upon them? They may be also sort of teetering. They may be wondering what to do next. Our good influence, our, our example of obedience they push them over the line and say, you know what, I want to serve the Lord as well. I realize a lot of times it can be very touchy situations with family members and those types of things. But instead of, instead of waiting, instead of, instead of sitting back and hoping that one day they'll, they'll come along with you, step out and be the one that, that shows that example of obedience. Be the one that blazes the trail so that they can follow along behind you. Don't sit back and wait because when you think what when you think about it, what are you doing by waiting? You're putting your soul in jeopardy. Because when it comes down to the day of judgment, when when we finally stand before God, we're not going to stand before God as in, as as family groups. We're going to be standing before God as individuals. And every one of us must give an account of ourselves before God. And so by waiting, not only are we really not doing them any favors, we're putting our soul in jeopardy. We're allowing someone else to possibly cause us to miss going to heaven. And while we love our family, 
while we love our children, while we love our parents, while we love our spouse so much, who is it that should be number one in our life? It should be God. Our service to Him should come, should come far and above anything else or anyone else. And so as much as we love them, we don't want them to lose our soul. And so, so we step out. And we be that example to them. We show them how wonderful it is to give ourselves over to God. But Jonathan, if I do that, what are they going to say? If I do that, what? I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to react. And so, maybe it's better that I wait. Well, I would encourage you to keep in mind what, what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 10. You know, Christ, while he was on the earth, he had, he had much to say where this was concerned as far as putting God first. And in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 34, he says some very, for lack of a better term, edgy things. Because he says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the enemies of his own house. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my name's sake will find it. The Lord has made it blatantly clear that we must be more concerned about what our standing is before God than what our standing is before anyone here on this earth. Before we can be concerned with what others are going to think, whether it be a family member or our spouse or a co-worker or a neighbor or a friend, whatever it may be, before we can be concerned with how they view us, we must be concerned and we must be certain of what our standing is before God. How many times do we allow what someone else is going to think to hinder us from doing what we know is right? How many times have we shied away from mentioning God in a discussion because we're, we're concerned with what a co-worker might think? How many times have we stood up and said, you know, I... I, I, can't, I, I can't laugh at that, or, or I find that joke offensive. Because, well, everybody else laughs about it, and we're afraid of what someone else may think, and we're afraid of what someone else might say. Or how many times, perhaps, have we sort of put in our, taken our Christianity off and we, we've, sort of, we've hung it in the, in the closet because, well, we don't want everybody else thinking. What's the point that, God, that, that Christ is making here? His point is, I should be first. Our service to Him should come above everything else, whether it means people look down upon us, whether it means people don't talk to us anymore. Our service to God must be the most important thing that we have in our life, above any other relationship, above any other friendship that we have. Our service to Him should be our priority. 
And so if, we, if we're sitting here and we're saying, you know, I know that I should obey the gospel. I know that I should be more active in God's work. But I'm just afraid of what other people might think. I'm afraid of what my family might say. Or I'm afraid of what my, my spouse may say. I respectfully say that I think our priorities are in the wrong place. Our main concern should be where do we stand before God? And that should be what we, we work on getting right. Now, you know, we could stand up here all day. I could stand up here all day. You could sit. And we could, we could go through excuse after excuse as to why we're not going to serve the Lord, as to why we're not going to be, why we're not going to obey the gospel. How many people are there? There are that many different excuses. We could continually come up and talk about these various excuses. But I think the thing that we're going to find is the more we talk about them, the more we're going to see that they hold no water. There is no excuse that we can make that is justifiable to say, you know what, that's, that, that's more important than my soul. That's more important than my standing before God. There is no. There is nothing more important than obeying the gospel. There is nothing more important than being active and being faithful in the service to God. And I hope, I hope this reminds us of that. I hope that this encourages us, that this, that this maybe even steps on our toes a little bit. It helps us to remember that, that everything I do in my life should be in service to God. That everything I do, every action that I take, should, bring, should be doing something that brings glory and honor to the name of our Lord and Savior. Is there something that we can do to help us? Is there some something that is is there some way that we can that we can help to encourage to encourage one another in our service to God? If so, we hope that you'll make that known to you. If you need to repent of your sin and pray for the forgiveness of God and ask that He that He strengthen you and help you, do that this morning with us. Let let, let us all pray together. If you need to be baptized in, in, into Christ, do that this morning. Become one of His children. Don't wait for another opportunity because you don't know if another opportunity will come your way. Remember, all Satan wants us to do is wait one time too many. And then it's too late. Can we help you in any way? If so, won't you come as together we stand and sing?